Here First is sponsored by UCS Healthcare, proudly delivering healthcare services across Iowa, specializing in mental health, substance use disorder treatment, and medical care with a special focus on LGBTQIA plus healthcare. More at ucsonline.org. Today is Wednesday. It's the 7th of December. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. The top Democrat in the Iowa Senate says the new Republican supermajority means all Republicans will have to be in agreement to confirm the governor's appointments to state agencies and commissions. Those votes require two-thirds of senators to agree, and Republicans won exactly two-thirds of the seats in November. Democrats lost their ability to control that process. Senate Minority Leader Zach Walls says Democrats used that power judiciously and approved most appointments. But now, in order to, to get these folks confirmed, any individual Republican senator has that leverage over the rest of the caucus. And so that'll be an interesting dynamic to watch play out on on their side of the aisle. Wall says Iowa Democrats should investigate what made them lose so many seats in November when Democrats in most other states didn't do so badly. He says Senate Democrats will continue to try to influence policy discussions where they can with a focus on the needs of middle-class Iowans. A suspended Des Moines public school student was arrested with a loaded gun at a middle school yesterday. The Des Moines Register reports an unnamed student was suspended indefinitely during a police investigation last month that was unrelated to the school. The student was described as a 13-year-old Des Moines resident who was accused of being involved in an attempted robbery and shooting of a juvenile last month. Yesterday morning, the student came to the Brody Middle School campus and police say was arrested in possession of a loaded gun and marijuana. The U.S. Department of Education has been looking into a complaint of racial harassment in Ottumwa schools. IPR's Zachary Oren-Smith has the latest on what a resolution with the district has shown. Ottumwa schools will commit to doing something about what's being called its racially hostile environment. The U.S. Department of Education's Office for Civil Rights said that during the past two school years, a black student at Evans Middle School was subjected to pervasive racial harassment. It mentions repeated uses of racial epithets and white students referring to the student as a slave. In one incident, a white classmate knelt on a Gatorade bottle in the student's presence and said, it can't breathe, to mimic George Floyd's death. The result was the cause of significant and enduring emotional harm for a middle schooler. The department's agreement to resolve the complaint include reimbursing the student's parents for expenses related to therapeutic services, training staff on addressing complaints of harassment, and publishing an anti-harassment statement. Around 140,000 turkeys in northwest Iowa are being destroyed after bird flu hit two commercial turkey sites. The Iowa Department of Agriculture says it confirmed positive cases of highly pathogenic avian influenza in commercial turkey flocks in Cherokee and Sac counties. The Cherokee County site has 100,000 turkeys. The Sac County site has 40,000 turkeys. This year, more than 15 million commercial and backyard birds in Iowa have died from the virus or been killed to contain it. And a Morningside University professor is collecting the stories of Latinos in Sioux City. IPR's Kendall Crawford tells us the Oral History Project will help students learn Spanish from their own community. Spanish professor Stacy Alex wanted to fill the gap in archival documentation of Latinos in the Midwest. So two years ago, she began recording the experiences of Latino students, business owners, and public figures in Northwest Iowa. Now, she says, she hopes local schools can use the archive as a language learning resource. So students understand that their goal is not just this abstract idea of using language, but that we're learning language to 
really work with our communities and learn from our communities. And that's something that I really want students to understand that we have a lot to learn from our Latinx communities. Alex says the archive can help highlight the contributions Latinos have made and inspire students. She says she'll continue to gather stories with the help of students in the coming semesters. This is Here First from IPR News. This IPR podcast is supported by Cultivating Compassion, the Dr. Richard Deming Foundation, fostering causes that enrich the community, generate understanding, and cultivate compassion, including above and beyond cancer. In the past decade, more than 130 rural hospitals have closed. The pandemic has created even more financial challenges for rural hospitals, meaning that trend could get worse. Lawmakers say a new federal designation could be a lifeline for rural hospitals, but others aren't so sure. IPR's Natalie Krebs reports. Things have been anything but easy for Crawford County Memorial Hospital at this point in the pandemic. So our expenses are through the roof right now, but our revenues are not going up. That's Erin Muck. She's the CEO of the Rural Public Hospital in Denison that serves the western Iowa County of about 16,000. She says the reason for this financial squeeze is not just one thing, it's everything. Federal CARES Act funding, which helped pad the hospital's budget during the pandemic, ended in August. On top of that, Muck says they're facing budgeting challenges from inflation, bad debt from uninsured patients, and are still relying on traveling nurses to cover staffing shortages from COVID burnout. We're having to pay more for our employees than we've ever had to pay for before. You know, we were all fighting over nurses at one point. These problems are hardly unique to Crawford County Memorial. Many rural hospitals are on track to experience their worst financial year in decades, and about 30 percent are at risk of closing in the immediate or near future. That's according to a recent report from the think tank Center for Healthcare Quality and Payment Reform. This is where the newly created federal rural emergency hospital licensure designation comes in. It's set to go into effect on January 1st. It's aimed at saving rural hospitals that are really struggling on the brink of closure. It would allow them to end all inpatient care and operate just as an emergency room without patient services, along with other benefits like higher reimbursements. National hospital groups support the designation, and so does the Iowa Hospital Association. Chris Mitchell is the organization's president and CEO. It's fine to talk about these things in the abstract, but when you go to each individual community, uh, the loss of the hospital could potentially be devastating for that community. However, some rural hospitals, like Crawford County Memorial, say they aren't considering applying for it and have many concerns about the way it could affect rural care. Baby just got born. That's Don Lindsman, Crawford County Memorial's marketing director, on a recent tour through the obstetrics unit. He says they deliver around 100 babies a year. Inpatient care accounts for just 10% of the hospital's services, but it's an important 10%, says CEO Aaron Muck. Becoming a rural emergency hospital would mean losing these labor and delivery services and other important care. Let's say I'm a 80-year-old lady and I have pneumonia and I require hospitalization, I would have to go to a hospital further away just to be hospitalized for my pneumonia. Experts are also wary. George Pink is with the North Carolina Rural Health Research Program. He says it might provide a Band-Aid fix to prevent hospitals from closing, but doesn't seem likely to address the many underlying issues. 
unless this viable long-term financial model is there, uh, I don't think there's going to be many hospitals to pick to, to take up on this. However, there's a possibility the designation could have already saved at least one rural hospital. Blessing Help acquired a 49-bed facility in eastern Iowa last year. The hospital had long been struggling financially, and Administrator Kathy Hall says they plan to apply for the federal designation. We actually had a scenario planned that we felt like we could get break-even or even make a little bit. But finalization for the rural emergency hospital designation didn't come fast enough for Blessing Health Keokuk. The hospital closed in October, marking the first hospital closure Iowa has seen in more than two decades. I'm Natalie Krebs, IPR News. This story comes from a collaboration between IPR, Side Effects Public Media, and the Midwest Newsroom. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Thanks for listening.